And only here by Ona Canavan, uh, one of the songs shortlisted for the best original folk track. Um, and the winner will be announced tomorrow night, live from Vicar Street on RT Radio 1. Connor Pope, price watch at rte.ie if you want Connor to grapple with any of your consumer issues. And you were listening to Laura DeBarra on Friday and her chat about sizing and clothing caught your attention. It did indeed, because I knew the answer to the question and I was thrilled with myself. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> Why are clothes sized so differently? Like, what's a 10 yes. and a 12? And, but before we talk about clothes, can we talk about shoes? Because that's arguably slightly more interesting because the, 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 it's a, the shoe sizes are all very different. You've got American sizing and shoes, you've got UK sizing and shoes, you've got European sizing mm. and shoes. Um, so it, it, it's really, really complicated. European sizes are based on what's known as the Paris point, which is two thirds of a centimetre, Okay. Right. Um, each so jump I'm, I'm, I'm a 43. Yeah, so each jump in size from a 44 to a 45 is two thirds of a centimetre bigger. Okay? Right. So that's the European measurement. I, I never knew that. No, that's you didn't, Ray. You see, that's why I'm here. Yes. The, uh, the English and the US sizes are based on, believe it or not, the barley corn. Right. Right, you see? But they're different. Like, yeah, well, I see. Yeah, okay. um, and what's that? Well, obviously, the barley corn is an ancient English unit measuring one third of an inch. Okay. So the largest standard shoe size is 12 inches. So that's a size 12 and 11 is 12 inches minus one barley corn so that's 12 minus one barley corn you've lost me I know yeah <laughs> while a 10 is 12 inches minus two barley corns and so on and then there's the metric measure which is called no, hold on you you wax the barley corns now because, okay, yeah, yeah. no because the, the American sizing and the UK sizing are different they are slightly different and so I wish I, I had that answer prepared Ray, did, so that's why I glossed so over so that sorry. because <laughs> I don't know why the American and the US sizes are different but, but it's, all, it's all down to the barley corn so okay. let's focus on the barley corn. then you have the metric then you've got the, the Asian system, which is commonly used in parts of Asia, called the Mondo Point. But back to your clothes sizes, because that's yes. actually yeah. less complicated. Uh, um, although, as you, as I think uh, Laura made the point, it's much worse for women than it is for men. I think you made the point as well. Men, yes. it's really straightforward. It's 32 inch waist, 40 inch chest or whatever it is. They're metric equivalent. So that's how men's clothes, clothes have always worked. But it's very different when it comes to women's clothes. And that's the reason. One of the reasons for that is clothes sizes actually only became a thing in fashion in the 1920s, because that's when mass production of clothes kicked in and before that people were having their clothes made for themselves so there was no need for clothes sizing whatever bust size you wear whatever hip size you wear that was your clothes were made on that basis so to standardise it in the in the 1930s, the United States rolled out a kind of an organisation that was going to standardise clothes sizes for women but it was very slow about it and it took 20 years for this organisation to come up with a standard size for women and one of the reasons was there was an interruption of uh, six or seven years as a result of the Second World War and then there was all sorts of other complications so it took 20 years from the moment they started to the moment they finished with their right. standardisation but in that intervening 20 years body shapes, body shapes changed between the 1930s and the 1950s so it was almost immediately, immediately out of date and body size has continued to change as people, as as time has passed on, and then to make things worse, of course, sizes are different in different parts of the world. So a US six is an Irish size ten. It's a French size 36 oh and it's a gosh. Japanese size 9. <laughs> and then I think you touched on it, there's vanity sizing and that sees the yes. retailers and clothes makers cut their sizes more generously to make shoppers feel better about themselves and more inclined to buy. Because if you think, oh, I'm, gonna, oh, I'm a size 10, I'm a size 8 in this particular brand, so I'm going to buy from that particular brand. And because there is no... 
definitive meaning for the number 8 or the number 10 or the number 6 or the number 12 or 14 they can do whatever they want with it um, and I, I found a really interesting article about this only today in Time magazine which, which pointed out that for instance Americans have grown physically larger over the last 20 or 30 years and brands have, sh- have shifted their metrics to make shoppers feel better so a woman's size 12 in the United, in the United States in 1958 is now a size 6 um, and the numbers are even more confusing that a pair of size six je- in a pair of size six jeans, the waistband can measure can differ by as much as six inch, six inches. Right. So it's an absolute free for all, and it's a minefield, uh, which means buyer beware when it comes to shopping online. Then, well, one hundred percent. But that's why a lot of retail. That's why a lot of people will stick to a particular retailer so they might find it might be a particular brand of clothes and they go oh you know the size 12 or the size 14 or the size 10 fits me with them so I'm going to stick with them so in a way this kind of all over the shop for want of a better word sizing system works to the advantage of the retailers Uh but it very much works to the disadvantage of the consumers consumers. and again it's you know men don't really have that issue because with men it's a lot more straightforward now having said that you know there can be slight variations in your jeans so a 32 inch from one company can be fit more comfortably than a 32 inch from another company or whatever it might be but it's very slight compared to the absolute wild discrepancies that exist for women Right Uh, Now this came into pricewatch.rt.ie I had a situation occur in a hotel involving a gift card covering lunch for two worth 110 euro myself and my mum dined and the bill was 75 euro we presented our gift card as payment which we had alerted staff to when we arrived which was good of them and had to bring the card off to reception after 15 minutes I approached a staff member who said uh, if we didn't spend the remaining balance of the card which would be what uh, 25 and 10 35 euro it would be lost I asked if we could not come back on another occasion and use it I was told no uh, I, being the quick thinker, decided to spend the balance on a bottle of wine to take home, but the incident has been on my mind ever since. Can hotels or retailers who sell gift cards scrap the balance of a gift card if not used on one transaction? This surely cannot be legal, or is there anything to protect the consumer in situations like this? Interesting query. Absolutely infuriates me, this query, I have to say, because there was a time when it was the standard practice amongst retailers and restaurants and hotels and airlines that they forced you to either use it or lose it. So if you had a voucher for 100 euros and you spent 70, they'd, you'd be met with a blank stare in the shop and they'd go, oh, no, there's no change in that. No, you can't. No, that's it now. You had, so you'd have to either work out a way to spend the additional 30 euros or you just lose the 30 quid. And we've talked in the past, in more recent times, about the legislation that got rid of the expiry date on mm. vouchers. But another thing that that legislation did was it prohibited retailers, restaurants, hotels from doing exactly what this restaurant was doing. If you have a gift voucher and the person doesn't use the full amount of the gift voucher, you have three choices. And this is in the law. You have to give them change in cash. You have to give them change in vouchers. Or you have to give them something to the value of the outstanding money. Now, that's the law. This is not something that's flexible or that retailers or hoteliers or restaurants can choose to do or not do. That's what the law says and that's what they have to do. So the idea that four or five years after this legislation came into effect, there are still places out there that think they can mislead and mistreat consumers because effectively what this establishment was doing was it was stealing this person's money Mm. because somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody had paid this restaurant cash. They'd given them the money, 115 euros, right? So the, the restaurant already had the money. So then to decide, oh no, no, we don't give you change on that. Like it's just absolute 
nonsense. And uh, I think and she wasn't getting value for money as well because she was paying hotel prices for her wine. It, well, she probably it. could have got three bottles down her local office. <laughs> I'm really glad you said that. Euro. That was going to be my next point because yeah, you, can, you can kind of think, oh, well, fair, fair play to her. At least she got a bottle of wine. Oh, yeah. But as everybody knows, the price you pay markup, in a yeah. fairly, high, well, uh, fairly uh, high-end restaurant for a bottle of wine is a lot more than you'd spend in your local Tesco, Dunn's, Little, Aldi, Super Quinn, Super, or whatever. You, you'd get it in or, or your local independent off-licence. I want to say yes. that very importantly. Yeah. So you get them for a lot less. So effectively, let's say she, she spent 45 euros on the wine. Uh, like, you know, 35 was the... 35 uh, euros. Let's say she spent the 35 mass. euros yeah. on, on the wine because it was 110 euros yes. for the voucher. Yeah. Like, she could probably got that wine for, worst case scenario, 15 quid. So that means that effectively this particular establishment profited to the tune of 20 euros by breaking the law. Yeah. Because it is the law. It's not something that's flexible. And, and I, I think if nothing else this listener has highlighted to anybody who, who's out there, the retailers, the restaurants, the hotels, that you can't do this. So three things. This is, if, if you have a voucher to the value of whatever and whatever you purchase, lunch or dinner, falls short of that, there are three things you're entitled to with the, the, the difference. And they are just they are, you're entitled to cash change. Right. Change in Can voucher. you insist on that? No, you're, you're, the retailer can, or the hotel can decide. So uh-huh. you're, you, you, you could be... It's their get, choice. Yeah, and that actually infuriates me slightly because like a 10 euro voucher for an expensive restaurant is kind of worthless. You're not going to go to the restaurant just because you've got the 10 euro voucher. So that's probably going to end up being lost. So it's either cash change, voucher change or goods in exchange for the outstanding balance. And that's on the CCP, the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission website. That's the law and that's what has to happen. I think people would be unaware of that. They would, would they, a lot of the time when you talk about vouchers, we talk about... Um, the expiry, the expiry and the running day. out. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. Well, like, there's definitely, there's money out there that, it, you know, that there's, there's a killing to be made, I think, on vouchers. There is. There Unspent is. vouchers yeah. and some way of channeling them, encouraging people, you taking them in, buying them from people cheaper and then using them yourself, all that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, you, 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 you could probably set up a little business. <laughs> and it could probably, I can imagine you could set that up on social media. So because some kind of Instagram or TikTok style business where you could, you could collect all, all, or do you know what would be nice to do, Ray? Right? Forget about turning it into a, into a mucky business where people are making cash out of charity. it. Turn it into a charity. If there are unused vouchers out there, and people might only have two quid or three quid yes. or five quid. Some charity could set up a system whereby they could collect all the vouchers, hoover them all up. But it would come with an admin cost because you'd have to have somebody going through the vouchers to, ma- to work out how, they were, how much they were worth. There's definitely something in that. You there's should set that up now, Ray. Right. You, could, you could become a dot-com millionaire. <laughs> Can you at this, this stage in my life? <laughs> I'm hoping that one day something's going to pop into my yeah, head. Me and, too. Me yeah, me too. I'm, that's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> Pricewatch.rte.ie if you want Connor's help with any consumer issues. Thanks very much, Connor. We'll talk to you next week. That's it from us. Sarah and Cormac are on the way in drive time. We are back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Monday evening. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.